Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode on the I Am Mom podcast. We are your hosts, Shaista and Dimple, and we are so, so grateful to have you here today. Today's topic is about grief. We will all lose someone we love at some point in our lives. Most of us at many points in our lives. And no matter how prepared we are, this loss can affect us sometimes harder than we expect. Grief is an inevitable and inescapable part of our lives. The way we each individually as adults deal with grief differs, but the way kids respond to grief and death is very different from adults. Even though most young children are aware of the concept of death, they do not truly understand it. And experiencing grief firsthand is very different and often a confusing process for kids. And as parents, You can't protect your child from the pain of loss, but you can help them feel safe. Our guest today will be talking about this and offering some suggestions on how we can help our children as well as ourselves build healthy coping skills around grief. Today we have with us Gwenda Lambert. She is an advanced grief recovery method specialist, and I cannot think of a better person to be speaking to us today about this topic. She helps people navigate their emotional landscape as they move through grief and a loss. And now Gwenda has such a close relationship with grief. By the time she was 21, she had lost 17 people in her life, including her grandparents, some family members, neighbors, even a friend to suicide. Gwenda did have a physical injury and which led to physical uh, stress and post-traumatic stress. And that forced her to be able to go and face herself. And this is what led her to unpack all the losses in her life, release all the emotional baggage that she wasn't even aware of, that she'd been dragging around. And she was able to rewire her nervous system to feel more grounded and present using the grief recovery method. Gwenda, thank you so, so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so looking forward to this conversation with both of you amazing ladies and congratulations on your latest uh, magazine in the podcast magazine. That's quite a coup. Good for you guys. You do good Thank work. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We are so happy to have this conversation. And the reason is because even uh post-recording right now, we were having a bit of a conversation, the three of us, and you have so much to offer for all of us listening. What the words that were coming out of your mouth, both Dimple and I were just in such awe and in shock. And a lot of it comes from um, a place in where you were experiencing some of this grief and this loss. Could you give us a bit of a background on your own upbringing and your experience around grief? Uh, Great question. I was raised by a gerontology nurse. So her role was she worked in nursing homes, long-term care homes, and she would be the one that off quite often transitioned, like was with people when they were transitioning, when they were dying. And the great part about this is that we talked about it. This um, one thing, as you guys know, it's the I am mom podcast, right? I can't tell you the first time we talked about death 
I can only tell you that it was never a taboo subject. We talked about it all the time. Uh, I mean, this might be a little off-putting, but my mother once, she worked the night shift. She came home, this woman had died and she donated her eyes. And my mom is a scientist because people in the medical world, they, they get into how our body works. And so she donated and my mom was able to watch that procedure and was totally thrilled at 7.30 in the morning telling me about this. And it's like, mom, I'm trying to have breakfast. Not everybody wants this topic. <laughs> and so instead in our family, we looked at it as, as funny, um, not funny, just, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that people do where what they do in a day-to-day -day life, nobody else, people can go through their whole life and never experience a death until they're like 30 or 40. My mom did it for a living. So it made it different. So and grief is still a different conversation than death, right? If we can't even say the D word, how are we going to talk about how we feel about the D word, right? So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that is just so um, important for us to hear. How would you define death versus grief versus loss? These, okay, so the grief recovery method is, is what I do. Why do I do it? Because it is a process. It is not counseling. It is not therapy. You get therapeutic aspects of it. But their definition of grief, I love this. And again, I learned this last year. And this is how much, this is now my full time. This is all I'm doing. Grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So you talked about grief. Grief is an emotional expression. Death is the end of life. But it, it, so, so let's just leave that as easy. Loss, great question. Because we got a promotion. We just moved to a new neighborhood, to a new house. You know, we, everybody gets their own rooms. We've got a pool in the backyard. That's still a loss. We've still moved from something to something, but that's a, a good thing. So we don't maybe take that up with our kids to say, well, how are you feeling about this? You're not going to see your friends all the time. Their friends move away. That's not a bad thing. That's not a death, but it's an emotional loss. It's the change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So they're not going to see their best friend anymore. So that's just right there. That's the difference between those are almost three different topics as we look at them as a society. And as a society, we definitely don't like to talk about loss as being anything that's positive, right? Mm -hmm. You get a promotion. I can't go to lunch with the same people I used to anymore. Well, mm -hmm. are you allowed to process that? Mm -hmm. Can you, can you talk about being sad about that? No, because look at all you've got promotion and a title and a da da. So that's mm -hmm. just an example of the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have not been taught how to distinguish between the three and even process emotions of loss. I love this definition that you've just shared with us, uh, that it's, it's, it's the change in a, in a familiar pattern. Mm -hmm. So we just moved a few months ago. Actually, Shaista just moved as well. Mm -hmm. And my daughter did and sometimes does still grieve the loss of our old home or the change of our dwelling, mm -hmm. right? So that is something that I have had to process with her. It's such an interesting concept. So what are some of the common reactions to loss and what exactly does grief look like then? So, and then that's, this is an interesting thing because first of all, the first question, do we actually allow ourselves our true emotional expression? Mm -hmm. Probably if it's smiling, laughing, and those positive ones, mm -hmm. but definitely not um, crying or getting angry, especially with kids. Oh, I don't want you to have any pain or with our friends. I, I don't. You're, you're crying. Okay. I need to go now instead of just being okay. Somebody's just crying. So that's one thing about ourselves. Are we comfortable with people showing emotion around us? Mm -hmm. And then the bigger question, are we comfortable showing our emotion around other people? 
Hmm. So, you know, um, does that mean that it's okay to get angry at random places? It's, it's, it's not, we, 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 we can't necessarily always control grief. Mm-hmm. Um, cause grief comes, especially, uh, I'm, I'm sort of going a little bit off topic here, but mm-hmm. when you get acute grief, so in other words, something big has just happened. One of the examples I used in a recent newsletter is that I was coming from the funeral parlor after my mother's death and the police officer jumped out in the middle of the street doing this because I didn't even see him. That was, that's one of the things when you're in acute grief, when you have just had a, a, a serious emotional loss, mm-hmm. your brain can shut down. It can look like trauma because it is trauma to the nervous system. You can have interference in your sleep. You can eat too much, not eat at all. You can sleep too much, not sleep at all. The big thing is, I think for us as a society is how do we handle crying? Because if we can all talk, we're all women here. You've Mm -hmm. you've all had children. There's this thing, the big H, the hormones. So monthly, you feel like crying. Do we stuff that away? Do we actually let that come? Because that's one of the biggest places that we get rid of hormones, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why we like sappy movies once a month or, you know, whenever we're going through hormones. But if we cannot accept that in ourselves and we stuff that down all the time, then we're just telling ourselves that what we feel is not important. So that's, that's one thing when it comes to, to how we show grief. Now, everybody's relationship is different, right? We can have dear friends that we can go away with to Mexico, but they don't know a thing about our emotional landscape that matters. We can have that friend that we talk to once every six years and they know everything in our heart. So it's important to actually, when we use words like friends, acquaintances, do we actually have a true support system? Do we really have a place where we feel safe enough to say out loud, um, you know, yeah, we've just moved to a new house. It's really nice, but I sort of miss that creak in the stairs Mm -hmm. and not be, oh, but the new house is so, and you've already dismissed the fact that you've had, you've had a loss. It's great. It's really exciting to look at all the, all the good stuff, but there's still, you know, that place was home that, you know, looking at a famous movie, which is, uh, you know, um, Oh, what's his name? It's losing you now, you know, and he pulls off the door, the, the, Home Alone, no. off the staircase, the, the Christmas movie. What is it? Is it? Yeah, Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah. No, that one, and it's a wonderful life. And he comes oh, upstairs oh. and he grabs and he comes off and he's like, ah. But when he comes back after doing the whole angel thing, he goes, oh, because that's normal. That's life. That's what I know. I love this creek. I love this door that doesn't quite close mm-hmm. because that is part of your normal. Yeah. Is that a good illustration of that? Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely fantastic. It's just, you know, I feel like uh, grief, when you hear that word, automatically in our minds, we go to, to death, right? That we're grieving the loss of someone close to us. Mm-hmm. And again, those three are interchanged, right? Grief, loss, death. How do you recommend explaining this difference to young kids, in particular grief, um, sorry, in particular loss and death. So this is really important because as we know, as parents, as you know, as parents, I'm a professional aunt, so I don't, <laughs> I don't have children of my own, but I'm very much aware that all of us adults influence children. Mm-hmm. And I actually teach self-defense in high schools as well. One of the big things that we have to be able to do is when a child asks us about anything, We have to be okay with our own beliefs before we can actually embrace theirs. So that would be the biggest tip right there. If you Mm -hmm. flinch, if you act as if it's something that you can't even talk about, then you're sending your child a message. So Mm -hmm. an example, my my younger sister, love her dearly, when her uh, father-in-law passed away, she literally got on the phone. Now, this is also good to have... If it's not you that's having this conversation, 
have somebody in your in your life that you can say, okay, Nadi, and she didn't even say that she wasn't comfortable having this situation. She said, here, talk to Aunt Glenda. And so she passed me the phone. And there's something that I love called a memory book, right? So at that time, you can say, and, and I also want to point out, don't use nicey words like they've left or they're, mm. you know, use the word death because an example of one of the women I worked with at 30 something, when my dad left and I said, you just hold on a second, your dad died. He didn't leave. Mm. You've just taken years of what was an abandonment thing because you think they've left. You think it was their choice. You think it was. So we have to be really, really clear with when we're using our words, because we don't like to use death. Why is that? Is it because you're not comfortable death? Most, unfortunately, most of this Western society, we don't talk about the D word, but death is a natural part of life. Grief is a natural and normal process as well. We are allowed to love things enough to miss them. We are allowed to have emotional expressions. Part of your job as parents is to say, okay, well, if you're showing some sort of outwardly negative, you're getting angry, then you got to be able to sit down and listen to what it is that, that comes out of their mouth. It's, well, why are you angry? Well, because of this. Mm-hmm. Now, in the case of like moving to the new house, maybe your daughter isn't going to say because she knows it's a nice new house. So you've got to be able to have a conversation that's ongoing where they can speak their emotional truth. Mm-hmm in any aspect, not just telling you what you maybe want to hear or saying what they've already interpreted as being the right thing to say. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a hundred percent sense. I'm just picturing that, that lady who was using the word loss. I mean, I, I do that too, right? Um, lots of people do that and how her, behavior or her act, her thought process just automatically shifted, like, like Mm. with that one word. And you are so right. We use that around our children all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of saying, you know, this person died, it's like, or they're no longer living. You're no longer here. Not, not no longer here. No longer living or dead. Like, yeah, they're not here. Well, why did they leave? Are they coming back? Mm-hmm. you know the other thing is oh they've gone to heaven heaven mm-hmm. is a is, is is a concept that you can't necessarily explain to a child right but the cycle of life we see that who's watched the lion king ten thousand yeah. <laughs> so you know what when you're in that circle of life when scar is fighting are you talking about the death are you talking about and this is the, the one thing that that i think disney has done well Mm-hmm. Um, is that, you know, from the days of Bambi where, you know, there's an opportunity to talk about it in an, in an easily approachable way, mm-hmm. but more, and even if you just say, oh, how did that make you feel? And just, again, allowing them to say, oh, that would be really sad. Well, you know, the, the concept of all of our relationships are going to end on this physical plane. There's a big, huge difference between that and making sure that you're creating memories today that, mm-hmm. that you can, that you can, um, that you can reflect on that help you uh, appreciate each other more. And then that's the hardest part is how do we make the mundane day and still be fully present? Well, that's mm-hmm. us as a human, just trying to do that, right. Is, Let's try and be fully present. And then as we talk to our kids, we need to take the time to, to help them walk through that thought process. Because really, if we're looking at the concept of death, everybody has a different, you know, you have people that think that that's the place to go. You have other people, oh, well, heaven's the only nice place. And it's like, well, no, earth is lovely. It's up mm-hmm. to us to, you know, to, so what is the importance What's the why between behind the concepts that we're educating our children on? Mm-hmm. Is that a little too? I, sorry, I just got a little off topic. There. No, that that is that is an amazing way of putting it. And I guess when we speak about these concepts, we want to use the correct language as well. Yeah. Now, I want to ask a very maybe hard question. 
were you so used to saying when when somebody dies we're so used to saying i'm so sorry for your loss mm. or condolences for your loss now i want to ask two questions here is that the correct thing to say to somebody and is it just courteous and then what do we do afterwards <laughs> but uh the next part of that question is what do you say to a child who has just lost a parent like i'm very interested in knowing how to speak to this child has lost a parent so and again i i, I love and this is a heavy question sorry no no but but see here's the thing it, there's, yeah. there's nothing heavy this is really life because this is where yeah. we can say things like sorry for your loss mm -hmm. so with everything that i've just said well you didn't lose a purse exactly so you know what i say i say much love to you and your family at this time mm. it sucks depending on how I know them, right? Much love. This is the interesting thing because I actually looked up condolences because we use words, we do things because we're taught to do things because mm -hmm. that's what our parents did and that's what we do. So we have to really, it, it, there's a lot of places where we have to stop and think about what it is. So I want to just actually tell you what the meaning of condolences, an expression of sympathy, especially on the occasion of a death. Now, are you feeling sorry or pity for them? Or do you want to support them? So sympathy, feelings of pity or sorrow for someone else's misfortune. That's actually the meaning of the word. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. And let's combine this with the child. Yeah. Wow, that, that hurts. That's, that sucks. That, that's got to hurt. How are you feeling? Mm. I'm sorry is taking your loss and making it about me instead of just saying, Hey, how are you? Yeah. How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. How can I help you? And you know, the funny part is, especially with kids, young kids. So getting back to, I don't think I finished that story um, with my, my niece mm -hmm. was the first thing I said, you know, he's gone. You know, that he was getting weaker. Like we had already had those conversations before but a memory book, especially for young kids. Tell me the, tell me the funniest thing that you did with your parent, you know, what is it you're going to miss most? Cause here's the other thing. If they are not allowed to cry, if they're not allowed to speak about their stories, you know, that it helps when we started this conversation talking about how Dimple and I met and it brings smiles to our faces because we have a history that's what makes us human. We're connected. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your connection with this person. What happened? Mm -hmm. You know, real questions. Like, mm -hmm. instead of, I can't say the D word, so I'm really sorry for you. And it's like, no, hold on. This mm -hmm. isn't about me. And one of the things I wrote a chapter in 2017 called Wrestling with the Urn, because I always have been able to talk about death, dying, all these things. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and this covers a bunch of different stories about, you know, if we get caught up in the D word and it's, and it's a prolonged, so it's not a sudden, it's not a sudden death, mm -hmm. then you miss so much because you're being so concerned about, oh, they're dying that you, you know, um, Shawshank redemption, get busy living get, get, or get busy dying again, mm -hmm. most profound, the more time that you're spending in your head, being concerned about what you're, what's going to be going you're not able to be fully present today. I'm just trying to process all of this enlightenment that you've shared. It's just so profound, the words that, that you are saying. Mm. Um, one thing that I also wanted to really ask you is, in particular with children, what are some of the symptoms children show or the signs that they are grieving, whether it be through death or anything else well I mean one of the common ones you know when they get into those ugly emotions that we don't like frustration anger if they you know stay in the room a lot longer than they did so look for a change in in pattern a change in the way that they talk mm -hmm. um you know because this is really uh, you know the funny thing is whenever we're in a dark state that's not the best time to go. I, I want you to talk to me now. It has to be a conversation 
where you're having, I like to call them deep and meaningfuls. Start having deep and meaningfuls with your kid. Set up ritual. So what does that mean? That means set up like on Sundays, you, you, your husbands are going for a walk with each separate kid on their own so that they know they can talk to you so that they know there's an opening and then don't flinch when they ask you questions, even, and this isn't just about death. This is about anything is that, um, and this is my self-defense side coming out. The more Mm -hmm. our child, any child knows that they are accepted for whatever messiness comes out of their mouths. Right. So if, so when they're like that, if you have a, you know, Hey, we go for a walk on Tuesdays. Hey, I noticed that you're, are you, is everything okay? You would tell me, wouldn't you? Like, so again, you've got to be able to allow them to be, be safe. Here's another big tip when it comes to grief or loss is that both of you guys have moved. Your children are showing some aspects and maybe they're old enough to be able to verbalize, but you know, it's okay if you're standing there making cookies or whatever we're doing our day-to-day life where our kids ask the most obscure questions of all, because that's how we all process. And you go, you know what? I really miss our backyard sometimes. Do you? And so it's like, you know what? I miss Papa or whatever our name was for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you? And and so it's a conversation. So it's not, okay, we're going to sit down and have this formal thing. It's, you know, it's, it's allowing those conversations to come out and giving them space. So we were talking before here about the difference between safe space and brave mm-hmm. space. So let me delve into that a little bit. There's this wonderful woman, Joanne Plett, the art of holding space and safe space has sort of been hijacked. We can't make life. We can't go around in bubble wrap, right? It's important not to be specifically hurtful or specifically mean, mm-hmm. but there's a place called a courageous place, a brave space where we can talk about our feelings no matter what. We need to talk about our feelings because this is who I am and I'm comfortable in my skin. Well, that starts from your, your child being, you know, doesn't mean they're going to get everything that they want or that life is going to go wonderfully easy. It means that you're creating a space for them where I am more interested in learning how you really feel than the outcome of whatever this situation is. So mm-hmm. that's that's the difference. Courageous space is you showing that sometimes, you know what, I don't have the answers and actually saying that and not feeling like a failure as a mom, you know, or a human or a whatever. And this mm-hmm. is the biggest thing is we, as the adults have to set the example for the kids, right? That's why mm-hmm. I joke about being a professional aunt, but no trust, like this is a responsibility. We are all responsible for setting examples. So Mm -hmm. do I cry whenever I feel like crying? Yep. Do I say I'm not in a good space? We're going to have to come back to this. Whatever we model is what we'll see. And then more importantly, create those rituals so that it's not a once in a lifetime conversation. It's an ongoing dialogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the setup, right? And uh, the the pre preloading really right because there's going to be grief in our children's lives whether it is death whether it is a move whether you know whatever it is there will be grief um one thing that I really liked was how you were you were talking a bit about the the signs and symptoms around grief and a lot of the times those signs and symptoms can we attribute it to something else right like oh did something happen with so-and-so at school or other interpersonal things Mm -hmm. rarely do we attribute it to a a loss of something in their lives, right? And I think that is really, really key to keep in mind. Um, And as a society, we don't. When you are working with your clients, is there some sort of um, um, a guide or a step that you recommend to help deal with grief? And I'm talking about, you know, there's the four tasks of mourning, for example, right? Um, Do you, yeah. Do you have anything such as that, or do you just do it individually and work with the client? Great question. And I love this because actually I've never been aware of the four steps of mourning, but uh, 
so first of all, the grief recovery method is a tool, a set of tools. We teach it to adults. So I do one-on-one -on -one courses. I do group classes. One of the reasons this is all done online. One of the reasons I love doing group classes is that all of us grief, all of us have losses. We have a backpack analogy, right? Mm -hmm. This starts when we're kids yeah. and there's misinformation that we're given. And I'm going to jump into a, a, a couple of things right here, which is the first one, our dog dies or we have a goldfish we have. And these are our first forays into death and dying, the circle of life. Yeah. And maybe I don't want to see my child cry. So I say, well, we'll just get another dog on. We'll get another dog next week. Well, again, you're taking away my processing of any emotional, any emotional expression that I have about this loss. So what happens? This is like a little rock that we stick into a, this backpack when we're four because we think, oh, we just replaced the loss. So that's our first myth about death and dying that we that almost everybody learns somewhere through their life. So. Um, so that's one part. Another thing that's really interesting, and this is where I got the props. There is this book, if you notice the title is called On Death and Dying. And this is written by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Who's Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? Well, she is the one that wrote this book on what happens, how do you process a terminal diagnosis? Well, first you're in denial, then you can have anger. So what happens is well-meaning people overtake this and yeah. they now call this the five stages of grief. Yeah. No, you're grieving the fact that somebody has said, you've got cancer, you're dying, the end of your life is coming. And at the beginning, because this is the biggest, and this is it, the thing that, because um, even with the mourning, to accept the reality of the loss, if there wasn't a loss, you wouldn't be in pain. So you can't deny the loss, yeah. whereas you can deny, oh, cancer. No, I'm going to go to somebody else. I'm going to get a second opinion. Oh, it can't, this can't be. So that, so it's really interesting how, again, this is my mother's study material from 1980 something or other. Yes. So, and, and again, so that's the difference. So I was using different terminology long ago, but mm. so in, in, like I've never been angry when I've been grieving. I've been profoundly sad. I cry, I sleep. Um, so, so what we do is the first part of our process, no matter if it's helping children with loss or the grief recovery method, we have a pet loss program. Mm -hmm. We first start with, what are you thinking now? Why are you thinking that? And let's get, let's get to the root of why why we don't embrace our emotional expression. And so this is so profound. I have not had one person yet that even in the first class in the first, and there's homework, it's light homework. It, so this is easy, but it's, it's simple, but it's not easy because you have to be emotionally honest. And so what we, what we do through this is we allow people to come to terms with, oh my God, I've been doing this for my whole life. I know I just said that to somebody because now both of you guys are like, oh, every time I've said sorry for your loss and you're feeling guilt <laughs> over it, right? Yeah. But everybody does it. So my, my mandate is to, I want to really normalize the conversation about grief, loss, death, dying. I want to normalize those conversations. So that's how we do it. So when it comes to these, there is no five stages of grief. Grief lasts as long as it does. The saddest part was when I was talking to, it's not sad, people that have been through psychiatric or psychologist type stuff where mm -hmm. they're told, well, this is stuck grief. And it's like, no grief is stuck. We have different layers of relationships. I had a father who had mental illness. Mm -hmm. And at the last day, he's like, takes off his mask. Well, that blew my mind. That took me five years to process. So first of all, you get the first year after a, an emotional loss, a death, and you've got the first, you know, I was, I joke about this. I picked up a cottage cheese container and it had the birth date of my nanny who had died. And I'm walking around the store now going, well, of course that day was coming. It's the first mm -hmm. birthday without her. And I'm talking to myself, but I'm also perfectly okay with going, you know, okay, I can't cry in the middle of the store. 
I need to go. So that first year is one part, but being able to feel wherever we are, as we peel back the layers, the Mm -hmm. onion, that is that relationship. And Mm -hmm. not every relationship is, is, is pure and good. Some of it's dysfunctional. Some of it's, some of it, maybe we've never talked about our hopes, dreams, and expectations. So there's a number of different things. I know I've just gone on a little bit, but um, so that's the, the juice of the grief recovery method is about how we look at our life and how we emotionally complete the relationships that are in it. And I would recommend, because as I've said before, I've learned more of, through this process, mm-hmm. which I just do again and again for any important living or dead relationship in my life. And it's shown me who I am, how I think, and it radically, it, 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 it transforms people because they get their own life back. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's what I would advise. Feel what you feel. Mm -hmm. And and there you go. And I'm here to help you too. If you want to learn a process, you do it once, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not perfect, but you can work at it and helping children with loss. I recommend uh, for anybody that deals with children, childcare workers, anything like that, because as you said, you can say, Oh, Johnny's acting up. Well, Mm -hmm. Is he just being a stubborn child or is there something more? Is there something going on in his life that maybe we don't know? So. And I love this idea of naming this emotion grief while these kids are young, giving them the opportunity to express it and talk about it openly. I love that you want to normalize this conversation because even today, it is the one year anniversary of a friend of mine, her mom died last year on this date. Mm. I didn't even know what to text her or do I call her? Is she processing this? Do I ask her how she is, how she feels? But I'm like, no, that's so insensitive. Of course she doesn't feel good. Like it's just, we don't know what to say. So how, there's so many layers to this conversation and I, I have so many questions popping up in my head. How do we be grief kind to someone? So just say, I'm thinking of you today. Mm-hmm. It's got to suck. Mm-hmm. Whatever your language is with them. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you can just send a text. You can send a card. You can call them and just say, I just wanted to call to check in. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, like, just send a note. Just mm-hmm. the, the whole big thing. And again, this is where we get into our friendships. Are they friendships where somebody feels comfortable talking to you? about the DNM, the deep and meaningful, meaningful stuff. Do you mm-hmm. want to be that friend? That takes an emotional commitment too. But there's also nothing wrong with being able to just say, I was thinking of you today. Mm-hmm. I hope you're, I, I, you know, I can only imagine. One of the things I say is like, I can imagine it's not a fun day. If you need to talk, you know where I am. Mm-hmm. And then I get people send me like crying emojis because I've opened up the door to that. But you know, on the other hand, it's right there anyway. So mm-hmm. is there somebody in the world that actually acknowledges that today I'm having a tough day? You know, Mother's Day after you've lost your mother, Father's Day, the most contrived holidays are usually, and I don't mean contrived, I think mothers are amazing. We never were able to celebrate Mother's Day because my mom would say, if you're gonna treat me differently 364 than the other 364 mm-hmm. days, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. So, but, Mother's Day memories are fabulous for a lot of people, but it also makes it a very painful day. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think just, you know, just something that says, I see you, Mm -hmm. I'm here, other human being, this Mm -hmm. may not, you know, even if you don't feel like that, why do we have to have the right words? Why can't we just say, I can only imagine today sucks. If you need to talk, I'm here. If you need to walk, I'm here. Mm-hmm. If you need to just do something and we don't say anything, I'm here. But we also need to have those conversations with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like end of life, here's a random question for end of life. Now this is like a prepared, we're all you know, down the road when we're not perfectly gorgeous like you ladies are. Who's gonna wipe your butt? Who would you be feel, mm-hmm. feel comfortable with having, you know, Dr. Leo Buscaglia, years ago, taught a love course in California. And he said, the most loving thing you can do is clean up when somebody has been sick. Mm. 
And now I so get it. When I was reading it, it's like, well, not written. It's like, yes, 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 you know? And that, and you don't feel like it's like, no, this is not an obligation. I'm being of service. Mm-hmm. And what does being of service mean? Anyways, that, again, that could go into another rabbit hole. So that is an amazing uh, way to put it, right? And, and, and we see this often with aging parents and, and that love that gets poured in from being of service in helping them with their day-to-day tasks, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to go back a little bit. We, we often recognize this one-year anniversary, right, of, of someone's death. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes those families that have been grieving for a year feel guilty if they are still feeling that grief. Mm-hmm. And they're told to move on and get on with your life and you have to live. Is there another perspective that we can can bring to this concept? The whole suck it up mentality is the most egregiously harmful thing that we do as a society. Again, getting back to our healthy emotional expression. If we feel we need to be able to to work it out. Again, all of our relationships are different. You know, you guys have siblings, right? You both have siblings. Mm -hmm. You know that four people grow up in the same house, four different, completely different experiences, four different experiences with your parents, four different experiences with each other, four different experiences in and amongst. So we cannot, we cannot um, put a label on what is normal grief. Grief is how much do you actually let your heart tell the story? How much do you actually, do you have somebody? And more importantly, because one of the things again about this grief recovery method is that I am the one hearing and, and creating that courageous space because it's not necessarily that you're not gonna feel, you're gonna feel. Are you comfortable with your own anger, see? say, oh no, but my mom was the greatest and I'm, I'm going to put her on a pedestal. And it's like, no, everybody's, everybody's human. So once you can start looking at that relationship and see them as, as merely human, then we're open to be able to actually express what it is that we feel. Because if I ask you ladies, anger, well, what does anger mean? Does it mean pissed off, embarrassed, ashamed? What does anger mean? There, we have all these fabulous words in the English language and you can feel all of them at the same time with grief. And that's the only emotional time where you can be laughing and crying. If you've been to a good Irish wake, you're laughing and crying at the same time. Mm -hmm. We're telling stories, the importance of being able to have, especially after a death, to be able to have, you know, people, oh, I don't want people making a fuss over me. No, that's our memorial. That's our ability to talk about how much we loved you. It's our time. And, and I want everybody listening to this, whenever you're asked to do a eulogy or somebody asks you at a, at a funeral or a, a, they call them celebration of life now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Anybody asks for a story, stand up and give one, stand up and share the love of that person and the difference they made in their, in their life. Everybody else there. Have you ever been at, at one of those services? And then somebody said, and you're like, oh yeah, that's, you know, oh, they were really irritating. There's also another, to use another reference from television, a show called Hacks, mm. where one of the characters' mothers passed away, um, died, and Hacks has uh, got Jean Smart in it. So she shows up to the funeral. She doesn't know her mother, but also the people that are grieving, they're in a place where they, they sometimes can't express what they really feel because they're sort of numb and you know, the kids are numb and maybe the kids are wired up and running around all over the place because they've got all this extra emotional energy that they don't know how to process. And she comes up and she started going, so who of you has a a story about, oh, when they were the biggest jerk or when they were the funniest. So I, 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 I beg everybody stand up because once you do that, other people, we have this, oh, somebody's looking at me when I'm speaking. No, you're sharing love. They're sharing love. So this is what we need to be able to do is we need to be able to, to, to really express what it is 
that we feel in our hearts. And that will make everything better. Mm-hmm. Like not easy, but better. Because mm-hmm. that grief is going to be able to work its way out. And then you know what? One of my nannies, and what happens is that when we get rid of all the stuff that's nasty and and guilt and all those other words that don't even really apply, then we get the I'm in the hospital with my nanny and she doesn't didn't necessarily have the best uh, grasp of the language. And she goes, uh, they just did a, an autopsy on me. And so I turned to my nanny and I go, nanny, it's a biopsy because we have <laughs> the autopsy. and I would just hope that, you know, I want you here. And then we laughed like loons. Mm-hmm. We just laughed. And that's my memory of her now. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because all the other stuff that also may need to, may need to be said has been mm-hmm. done. And that's what the grief recovery program does. And then it's a tool that you use throughout the rest of your life and you have me supporting you through it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's, that's, uh, does that help? I feel like I've yeah. just been listening. No, I think that's so, it's so great to hear that. And what I often find is um, there's been, um, there's different reactions to different types of deaths. Um mm-hmm. Mm. particularly uh, with like younger people who draw who die um, tragically right mm-hmm. versus maybe the 99 year old or the 100 year old nanny who uh, had a very lovely long life and that's what we normally say to people right oh she had such a long life you know think about all of the great memories there whereas someone d- dies tragically it's like you don't even know what to say, right? And you expect that they're going to have a, pardon my language, but like a bigger amount of grief. I don't know how another way to put that. Um, rather than the the person who is losing their hundredth year hundred year old grandma. How would you describe that? Like, have you experienced that with your, with the people that you work with that have had these different types of losses? Um, and what are their responses? Well, I've, so I've personally had those losses. And again, because I was raised the way I was, like in my neighborhood, there was uh, in Toronto, there was a, a girl that went to our school and she was I didn't know her personally, but she was assaulted and left for dead on. And so that affected my whole neighborhood. There was uh, a house fire that killed half a family. Again, devastation. There was, you know, somebody who was 12, he went into a coma and he had asthma. He came out and he died. So here's the whole thing. When we quantify anything, Mm -hmm. here's the biggest difference is that we don't know other people's experiences. We don't know that that hundred year old mother has had that adult child under their thumb for their whole life. And now they don't know what to do because they've always been raised to almost take care of that parent, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of cultural upbringing there where it's like, so they might be having a tougher time than somebody who let's use an example of, you know, there was, you look at the mother against drunk driving woman whose daughter was killed and she turned that into a movement, which Mm -hmm. has changed our laws. Um, If we quantify death, this is a good death. This is a bad death. All I say for a good death, this is a good death in my books. And this Mm -hmm. is what I'll say to anybody. Have you said everything that you need to say to that person while they're still in front of you? Have you had an honest relationship with them? Also your kids, right? Because kids can get under our skin too. Maybe the last thing you did was yell at them. Well, that's part of, the, that's part of that relationship. But the, did they also feel the love or were you too busy being a taskmaster? So when we have tragedy or when we dramatize any kind of like anything, what happens is that we get com- comparatitis, right? Oh, well, I can't be, you know, we talked about the, the move, we're moving. Now this is lost. You, you're moving up the ladder. That's great. You're moving to a nice new house. You're moving to a nice, nice neighborhood that's got more trees. That's wonderful. But it doesn't mean that 
pain, loss is loss is loss. Grief is grief mm -hmm. is grief. Emotion is emotion is emotion. We don't have stronger emotions. We just have it. We can have a more sudden response. The one thing that's painful about dementia or Alzheimer's is that you almost have, you grieve twice, right? And so the, the funny thing is, I was just talking to somebody, oh, my dad, he got sick like two years ago. He had all these strokes. So you started the grieving process, which means today when he actually dies, have I actually said everything I need to say? We still don't know until we actually sit down and just look at that relationship. Mm -hmm. So with the parents, here's what I'll say. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, just say, how are you? Instead of making it about me, I'm making it about you. You're the focus. Here's an, a, a really random example of kinds of things that you can, if somebody, a parent's had a sudden death of their husband, right? And they don't know, offer childcare. Can I take, can, can I take your child? Because you know what the other thing is too? If you're okay with your emotional expression and this child's emotional expression, then maybe you can provide an out for both of those people to be able to, to breathe for mm -hmm. five seconds. Because grief, acute grief, when it first happens, as I talked about that police officer, I started crying because I didn't see him. I didn't, he wasn't even on my radar. And I was like, I shouldn't have been driving. So offer to drive your friends to places. And, and again, you don't have to say anything. And this is where our emotional resilience comes in. Can we sit in a car with somebody who's bawling and not have to say anything? Mm -hmm. Can we just literally support them? So I, I, I think I'm not, and, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, even saying things like they've lived a good life. Well, what's a, what's a, like, what's a good life? Again, when we quantify anything, we just say, how are you? No matter, no matter what, and let them lead the conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you need more Kleenex? Do you need coffee? Can I offer you a hug? Do you want a baseball bat and maybe some things to, who knows, right? Do, do people who have had miscarriages, for example, also come to work with you as a grief recovery specialist? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because and that's a loss. It's a loss. Mm -hmm. it, yes. Yes. Uh, I, I do have one burning question, actually. Um, in our community, we um, announce deaths in our community, like, like now through COVID, there's an app, right? And it always says, so-and-so has passed away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just curious to know what your thoughts on that language is passed away versus died. Well, it, it, in a perfect world, I would love to see died. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, there is a difference between passed away and lost, uh, you know, as per the example before. So at least passed away is a universally societally accepted that passed away is cannot be mistaken for they left, we mm. lost them. So mm. you want to make it so that, so that whatever term you're using, that it is associated specifically with death, mm. right? And it doesn't mean that you have to say died, 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 died. But, you know, again, um, here's, here's an example of how that, you know, my father, again, 44 line items. So I had to talk to 44 different organizations and keep saying my dad died, my dad died. And there's an emotional toll saying that too. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was just easier. So mm. uh, passed away is universally understood that that is death. And especially in the, in the, in the, if you're putting it in a context where there is no other way that it can be misconstrued, I'm all for it. Mm. Just, we just okay. lost okay. things like lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I have, is, is there, are there things that families should be doing to prepare for death? Oh my God. Yes. So for right. example, couples with kids, yeah. right? Is there something that oh. they should be doing or is this a big checklist or just a few things? Oh my goodness. Oh, that's probably, that's one of the reasons why I wrote uh, Wrestling with the Urn. 
because I talk about the difference between having a will, having a living will, mm -hmm. and um, letting people in your family know what it is you want done. So what does that mean? In my family, everybody was cremated. We knew that my father had three strokes and we knew since I was a teenager that there's no, like no DNR, like DNR, do not resuscitate. My mm -hmm. mom was the same way. Um, and we know that in our family. And in some cases, I am the actual medical POA, which is the medical power of attorney, because there's some people that may not be able to pull the plug using blunt language. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be kept alive in, in, in all, like you need to be able to express and discuss with your spouse, your siblings or anybody else, because if you want to get cremated and somebody in your family doesn't like it, they can stop it. And you don't, you want to be able to do a DNR. You want to have an Edith, which is an expected death in the home. There are certain things that you have to be okay with. Like you have to have a DNR plastered everywhere. Do not resuscitate. DNR is a do not resuscitate. You need to, we, it's been joked about, you know, tattooed on your chest because mm. those EMTs, their job, the medical community's job is to keep you alive. Death is the enemy. Death is failure in the medical community. So that's number one. Number two, have a will. Have a will. Have a will, especially for your child. Your, if you have children and if you have property, have something that says what happens to them should something happen. We look at COVID. You were wiping out families and leaving kids without without anybody. So um, you know, and that's in this is not unfortunately the last pandemic we're ever going to see. But there's car accidents. There's you know, there's funny movies about, you know, the parents go, who are your, who, who is it that you want? Cause you might love your family, but you really want your girlfriend to raise your kids because she's mm -hmm. closer to them. You need to put that in writing and you need to talk about it. And the other thing, um, most importantly is, is, uh, if you can, if you trust them, especially if you're in a health situation, you want to be able to beneficiary any of your assets. You want to be able to get it because it's not uncommon that something happens and somebody doesn't have access to cash. And then all of a sudden people are losing houses and, you know, there's various other things. And I know here's just an example again, yesterday, the last so one family I heard of, the last will that the parents did was when they had two children in the 70s. They had four fully grown children, but that will would have only given any of the assets to the kids because that's a legally binding document. Mm -hmm. I know we don't like talking about the D word, but you know, do you want to be cremated and your ashes you know, gone over a lake. Let those things be known. Because here's the other part, the most important part, the more we can plan for, right? The more, the easier it's going to be for those people grieving, especially mm -hmm. our children. You don't want, they're going to be overwhelmed. If you got, have you guys, any of you lost your parents? No. So, you know, here's the thing, whether you like, you, it's like childbirth. I'm sure you read lots of books, took lots of courses, but when that thing came out, you're like, what kind of alien is this? There's just a reality. Grief is the, the biggest neutralizer. It affects everybody. It doesn't matter what happens. You can stuck it away. You can try and do whatever you need to do, but allowing that grief to come is the best gift you can give yourself and those around you. Mm. I hope that brings some comfort. Uh that is such great, great advice, great suggestions, uh, making mm -hmm. me think about my own situation as well, right? So thank you for that, Gwenda. People must come to you from different faiths. So how do you handle that when people do have different ideas about uh, why the death occurred? Like they use faith to console themselves. So how, how do you deal with that? And well, the great part is this is not faith-based. And again, there's so many, when I stumbled upon this, like literally mm -hmm. it is, I've had conversations with pastors that I've actually done training with and they start using, well, you can combine your belief with God or, or whatever spirits 
whatever and i'm a druid so i i believe in mother earth and father sky and you know pagan based earth based things but um but it doesn't matter the 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 root of any kind of religious uh expression at its core is about how to be loving and really um this is a process there's nothing about god there's no god mentioned it is a process it is strictly a process it's a framework that you follow and um again i've been involved with catholicism anglican christian buddhist you know hindu I, like i've played i've dabbled because i like to connect with people this is nothing about, you know, the whole God's taking them home. The only thing I would say, especially when you're dealing with kids, is that they might somehow get this impression that they're not good if, if because they weren't taken home. So again, it's how we use our conversation around death. Uh, I know you were talking about how to console. That's one thing. Prayer is always good. Prayer is just something you're saying out loud. We've just been talking about emotional expression. There's nothing wrong with saying, dear God, help me. My heart is overflowing. I feel overwhelmed. I just need, mm -hmm. you know, I need some help. There's nothing wrong with that ever. Mm -hmm. You know, prayer is just a, a, you know, a place where love gets said out loud, you know, like that's really all it is. Um, so, but that's a great part about this. This is not religious. It is not based on any kind of commandment, book, writing, nothing. It's a process that allows us to look at our life and look at our relationships and say what's let our heart tell the story. Mm, yeah, no, yeah, definitely for sure. Um, this you've given us so much to think about and to just reflect on and um, a lot around the terminology and language that we use as a society and what our children are learning and how we can use specific language such as death um, versus loss with our children. There's just so much that you shared with us and so much that I think all of us listening are taking away. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Um, just an invitation. We have, we've got an upcoming helping children with loss. Uh, and because we are um, starting this in an online format, which is a four week format, and it's, uh, it's got a, it's not a sale price, but we're offering it because we want to start getting the word out. So we're offering it at it's um, $200 for four weeks. And it's normally 295. So uh, I co-facilitate with somebody else who has a different life experience than me. So it's really great. We have a lot of, and, and we like that because we all have only one voice. So it's, it's good that we actually get to, uh, to say that out. Um, the other thing that I would like to offer is that this is the kind of thing we will spend $500 on a new wardrobe for spring, maybe not for us, maybe for the kids, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, six, you know, we'll take six weeks to deciding what color we want to paint our living room. So for $450, you can take a group class that will change your life and give you the tools to manage your emotional expression. And then once you get clear on that part, it's easy to go to a coach and say, okay, you know what, this is what I've learned about. I need this kind of help from you. It's easier to go to a therapist and say, this is what I need help with. And it gives you a clearer picture of who you are. And then you can make all the choices in the world. And as I say, you get to paint with your full palette. That's, and that's the one thing for me, I can't believe how much stuff I've personally gotten rid of that I didn't even think I had. So that's my last bit. I think everybody should do this. I want to actually get into businesses and talk about bereavement policies and talk mm -hmm. about how we should be setting them up to actually support people because talk therapy, you guys are both coaches, right? There's sometimes where, you know, the person's not really, you know, so this is before you get into that kind of stuff. Talk therapy sometimes doesn't work. Grief counseling is more about where you're at instead of saying, okay, what's my life look like? Mm -hmm. How am I coming to it? 
and it's a different process. And then it allows you to be more particular in getting the most out of life as everybody wants to, right? Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And where can our listeners find you, Gwenda? That's a really great question. And um, I would say there's my website or my webpage, which is griefrecoverymethod.com slash G-R-M-S slash Gwenda dash Lambert. So that's G-W-E-N-D-A dash Lambert. And that has a way to set up a one-on-one call. Um, you can also email me at Gwenda at lifestartsnow.com. And uh, that's two ways to get in touch with me. And I wish I had my lifestartsnow.com. It would just be so much easier, but I don't have that set up right now. So that's okay. We will definitely put that information in the show notes and share it on social. Thank you so much, Gwenda. This has been such a comforting conversation. And I felt very safe having this conversation with you today. And we are really appreciative of all the knowledge that you shared with us and all of the strategies that you shared with us that we could use as parents, as supporters, as friends, as a friend. And so thank you so much. It's been great to connect with you. And thank you to our listeners for listening today. And we will be back uh, next week. So take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired take action, and create magic.